welcome to Relate and Meditate with me, your host, Daisy Clementine. We're a space for discussing relatable modern day issues and delivering straight talking meditations for anyone needing support. Our meditations are strictly non-woo-woo and hyper-specific to the issues we discuss with our guests each week. There'll be no mention of chakras here, just friend-style advice in a meditation format. We're for the non-meditators and those that are anti-routine. We're not your daily practice, we're just here when you need us to be. Hey guys, in this episode, I spoke to a very close friend of mine, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. She's the podcast queen, so I was a little nervous having her on, but I hope you get something out of our conversation all around imposter syndrome, something which apparently over 70% of people have experienced at some point or another in life. Honestly, I even feel like, who do I think I am doing a podcast? Because it's literally so weird and so out of my comfort zone. So big imposter syndrome happening for me right as we speak. Anyway, enjoy. And as always, just skip to the last five minutes for the meditation we've crafted. Hello, Kayleen Langford. How are you? I'm good, Daisy Clementine. Thank you for having me. Welcome to my podcast. Obviously, we've been listening to yours quite a lot, but it's time for my time to shine. (laughs) (laughs) Come to the front, babe. It's all about you. (laughs) All right, we kick us off the same way every time because it is easy that way. What do you need a meditation for and why? I need a meditation for being an imposter, like full hard imposter syndrome. Mm, yeah, I feel like I feel like I actually never truly understood what that was until very recently. I I found myself explaining it to a therapist as I just feel like a fake person, <laughs> and not fake in the sense of. Um, I feel like I'm being ingenuine, but fake in the sense of, I guess, exactly what imposter syndrome is. So do you want to explain a little bit about what it is and how it feels for you? Because I clearly could not articulate it at all. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for me, it is about never probably feeling good enough. And I actually took some notes in preparation for this and I was trying to um, articulate it and and figure out what it was and really get to the bottom of it. And I think it's that feeling of like when you have to, when you kind of set a dream or a goal for yourself and in your head you want it, right? And you're like going after after it and then it kind of starts coming to life and these doors are opening and things are happening and you freak out and you're like, what, why is this happening to me? Like, I'm not, I'm not the right person for this or someone's better than me or people are going to catch me out any day and realize that I'm, I'm not good enough and I'm not the person to, 
to be doing this job. So it's kind of like, as everyone does at the beginning of, you know, whether it's your career or um, I guess it's mainly for career, right? Maybe it's like, and it comes up in a few other places as well, but it's like, you fake it till you make it. And then you're kind of making it and you're like, am I still, <laughs> am I still faking yeah. it or have I made it? Or like, what, at what point do you cross over, you know, or does everyone just feel like this forever? Well, well, my first two points that I have in front of me here, I said, it's always there. It never goes away. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then the, the second thing was that I wrote that it's when you expand into a new realm and I just to like make it relatable. So it's not too weird. <laughs> also slash comfort zone. And I think it's, it has been from leaving my corporate job to work for myself as in, in business and coming from zero background in business. I didn't have an MBA, but I was a business coach and, and writing courses to producing a magazine. And I was a, a C minus English student at school. Like I, I was very well known for not being able to spell. And then all of a sudden I'm a, I'm a, owner of a magazine oh and and you've just written a book so (laughs) clearly you're rubbish (laughs) yeah I just recently yeah signed a a book publishing deal that's going to be going out globally which I'm terrified about and yeah there's there's been lots of different times being on stage having certain people on my podcast um having certain people even sign up for business coaching. And I'm like, why are you asking me for advice? Mm, that's so funny. And I think I, we actually were living together during the writing of the book. And mm-hmm. I feel like I watched you flicker from like so many times in between being really um, excited and really, um, what's it? feeling really like solid in yourself I think you had that 5am routine where you get up and you'd write and you kind of had it all down pat and I think that like repetition and um, self-discipline of getting that done really helped keep you out of that imposter mindset and then as soon as it was written and you kind of were going through those phases of um, getting feedback from the editor and then even up until the point where you know now it's uh, pre-release on Amazon is it is that is that correct yeah <laughs> yeah yep. um and I just watched you go from in between being like really excited to just like pure terror and I feel like I didn't really understand it because I was like oh and I think that's what's hard about imposter syndrome too is that it's quite hard for other people to explain for other people to understand it because from the outside I would look at your situation and be like why are you scared like you've just done this amazing thing and you should just be really excited like you're ruining it for yourself (laughs) I think that's yeah and thank you for seeing that because I think (laughs) there's so like I I remember that feeling of submitting the book and and then feeling like oh yeah anyone can do this and I just instantly downplayed it as a goal like when it came through as a as a publishing deal and I was like I'm writing a book and it was all so exciting and I was in the process and I was sharing it. And then once I submitted it, I was just like, yeah, it's no big deal. Um, but I think then there was also that fear of like, um, what are people going to say? Like I'm putting myself on 
the next level of expert status with something that's going into print publication to a global marketplace. And, you know, I've, I've, I've had friends and I've had people that I know and I've just witnessed people through social media to be, um, you know, trolled and, and get really negative feedback about putting their work out. So I think it was that terror that really set in. But I even remember when I signed the publishing deal and it took me probably the first month. So I had four months to write the book once I signed the deal and it took me a whole month to write chapter one. And I, and then I sent that chapter to um, an editor that I had um, hired to because that's how much I felt like an imposter. I was like, mm. I can't send this direct to my publisher because the deal was that they said, oh, you know, get started, send us a chapter um, here and there, like as you get started, just so we can know you're on the right track. And so there's been so many times where I've been like, am I publishing going to realise I'm not an author and like ask for their money back? <laughs> like, And um, yeah. I, so I would send it, I would write a chapter, I would send it to my little sister who would like spelling and grammar check it and sentence structure and then I would send it to an editor that I ended up paying out of my own money to give even more feedback because she'd published a book before and she was my target market as well. So then once those two people had seen it, then I would send it to the publisher. And I remember the first time that the editor, Abigail, that I had hired wrote wrote back like I'd sent her chapter one and was just anxiously waiting knowing that she was a professional writer of what she was going to say. And I was just convinced in my head that it was going to be absolute rubbish because it had taken me so long to write it. And when she came back with positive feedback, I remember crying and being like, I'm going to be okay. (laughs) Um, But there was plenty more moments and, you know, there still is, it's not out in the world yet. So. Yeah. I think that's such a, that's a very like Kayleen practical uh, approach to to combating imposter syndrome. It's pretty much just like, I don't want to say like outsourcing your validation, but it's more, you're putting things through checks and you're Mm. tapping into experts that, um, and you know, they might even feel like imposters in some way, you know, like I'm sure everyone does in their own way, but I think it, that's a good kind of tip, I guess, if you are doing something that maybe is something that you've completely never, ever done before and you don't have any experience in. Like, I think having that extra support system is helpful in mm. getting you out of your head and kind of not just, and I think this is what so many people do, and I do this definitely all the time not just like asking friends or family for feedback and advice and just like you know that just like verbal diarrhea like when something's like really on your mind and you just have to like ask everyone's opinion about it and actually what I think is the message is like be selective and you know ask experts what their opinion and feedback is versus Mm. just accepting it from everyone because I think when you have that imposter syndrome it's like any validation is good but it's not Mm. entirely true yeah I think you're right like I just learned something in in your reflection of it I think there's two things it's like when if you feel like an imposter 
it doesn't mean you have to play into that. Like if you feel like an imposter, you can actually surround yourself with people who will, you know, fact check and mm. help pull bullshit on what might just be a story in your head, which let's be honest, imposter syndrome is mostly our inner critic, which will, is always going to be the harshest of ourselves. And it's like, you know, you're you're a great example of someone who was by my side cheering me on going, I can't believe you've written a book and, you know, we pop so many bowls of champagne <laughs> to celebrate um whereas if, you know whilst you're on the outside cheering me on I'm on the inside you know um critiquing myself so you can you can get people on the outside who can fact check and kind of call bullshit on whether it's real or not because mm. you know there's probably are sometimes where you try to bite off more than you can chew as well which I've definitely been there as well um but the other thing is that Sometimes imposter syndrome can debilitate you. And I think what you just said then, Daisy, is like it looking for that outside validation too much or all the time can actually de- debilitate your ability to take action and to back yourself and to really get to know your skill set and what you're good at. And I think I'm still on that journey of being like, where do I just, you know, take the leap and go nuts? Nah, this is this is a good this is a good move and I've got this mm. versus hey I think I need some validation here and like kind of sit around twiddling your thumbs until someone tells you it's a good idea and then yeah, it's too- totally totally and um when when do you when's like your first memory of it like when's your first memory of having imposter syndrome uh pretty early on so I run startup creative and I'd met this guy really early on and he was running a business called Start Inno and it was in Byron and he kind of sat me down. We 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 met through networking situations and really supported each other, but he'd said to me, um, you know, why don't you just come and work at Start Inno? Like, you know, Startup Creative didn't really have any traction at that point and it was kind of similar and he got, he gave me his big long list of background. He was older than I was and he'd, you know, he'd worked with startups and had helped people to seek investment and he had capital to invest. And he said, I'll oh, just come work for start for start, you know, you know, it's similar enough. And I remember making the hard call to be like, Yeah, it's like I'm full support of what you're doing. Um, but I think I should like I, I believed in you know, the the differences of what Startup Creative was was going to become. So I had to say no to that and fully back myself. And I think there was a lot of comfort. There could have been a lot more comfort in rolling with him and his idea. I wouldn't have had to be so solo on the journey. And it felt safe to kind of go under his banner, but it wasn't totally in my full integrity of what I had, had envisioned for Startup Creative. So that was a big one where I had to like make a, a call to back myself and that was a couple of months in. Um, but there's been plenty of moments. I Again, some investors wanted to buy my magazine very early on and when they came to me with their pitch of what they thought it, it should be and, you know, how they wanted to take it forth and I said, again, like that's not what I set out to create and I really believed in in the niche that we had with Startup Creative to just help people from like that straight up business advice. And I said no to their deal 
they again they got actually quite angry with me and you know kind of put me down and said that I wouldn't really get anywhere with it and so that was a massive one where it actually I probably spent three months kind of moping about after that and Mm. didn't really know how to get back on the horse because I guess the common denominator is people that um, have been longer in the game for me than me and have got more experience and they questioned my vision and what I was doing because it was different Um, and I really had to stand up for it and like, you know, carve out this new way of doing it and this new, you know, tone of voice and and style that I was going to give business advice in and a lot of people, like I, I would go to networking meetings and people would be like, oh, so do you have an MBA? And, or, you know, where'd you go to business school? <laughs> and, you know, we, I've just shared about not, you know, um, having not even very basically passing English in school. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was plenty of times of really, experiencing hard out imposter syndrome and it nearly crumbled me a few times where I've I've been wanting to give it up and just you know throw it all in and say it's not worth it like it's Mm. it's too hard why would I carry this burden and put this stress on myself and how does it show up like what is say for instance when you were deciding to not uh you know collaborate and combine with the other start you know um you know yeah that guy like what was obviously on one shoulder you've got the voice that's like no that's not my vision I'm gonna back myself and do my own thing what was the voice on the other shoulder like other than it's going to be comfortable but was there that voice that's you know saying they're more experienced like I need their experience level like what what is the doubt? Like what what are you an imposter in? Yeah, I think it's like who do you think you are? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like who are you? It's like that it's such a deep, dark <laughs> voice that really goes, you you can't do this. And I think how it shows up is that I I do mope about. I I have tendencies to just get into bed in the middle of the day and watch a superhero movie. (laughs) Can confirm. (laughs) um, And or or a lunchtime bath is also a good one. Oh yeah, a classic, a spicy (laughs) bath. Spicy bath. Um, So inaction, it just makes me like it's almost like a freeze response where I just it doesn't matter if I'm looking at an inbox or I've had a great experience opportunity come through and I know what I need to do, it just feels blank. So Mm -hmm. I kind of go a bit numb from it. And I think that the, the worst thing about it and it's like the biggest detriment to success is that it makes you question yourself and it makes you question taking risk. And I think in a, in a startup and a, a business for yourself and and growing out of a comfort zone, it requires being comfortable with risk and being in the unknown. And if you're doubting yourself, there's just no way you go and stand on the edge of a cliff and say, yeah, I'm going to take the leap. You're just like, you don't, you don't even go near the cliff. You're like in the cabin back in the woods, (laughs) you know, drinking wine, hoping no one knows where you are. (laughs) Sounds kind of nice, to be honest, but I guess that's the point. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then that's it. It's comfortable, right? And then eventually you get fed up with yourself and you're like, what are you doing here? Like, get out there. And, uh, you know, I think, like, honestly, on. something that you said to me years ago that, like, always stuck with me was this whole um, thing around it will get to the point where it is too uncomfortable to not do anything. Like, taking, like, no action is actually less comfortable than staying in your comfort zone. You basically get forced out of it. Yeah, they can't coexist. And I think something that I've really been studying and trying to understand and better articulate is that if you've got this desire or this dream or this purpose that starts to bubble up, inside of you and you see a vision you see a glimpse it's almost like the curtain gets pulled back and you're like this is what's possible for you and I'm I'm a really big believer in that that's where that's being shown to you because it's part of your path and I would say that everyone gets shown beyond the curtain at some point in their life and most people will shrink back to the comfort zone but those who go, hang on, I saw beyond the curtain and I need, I can't be okay with not knowing what that was. And it's bloody scary and you have to leave a lot of comforts and people and, you know, nice things behind. Um, but if you manage to get to the edge of that curtain and really throw it open, then you can't ever turn back. Mm. And so I guess it's like, just moving forward, even if you have that imposter syndrome, but maybe it just gets either slightly less or it just, I mean, I think we can both agree it's always going to be there, but maybe it just warps slightly. Maybe there are things that you do actually feel 100% confident in and you are the expert and you just don't doubt your ability in that anymore. But then, you know, there's new things and there's new challenges where, I mean, that's how people learn, right? It's just, it's tricky when you're offering it as a business offering I think because you obviously um charging people for it so I think definitely with business that's where it is kind of Mm. the most um intense but I was actually reading a bit about it today and um because I was trying to think of my first moment of it because I've I've as I said like only just identified that that's what I've been feeling like I just didn't know that that's what it was um and it can it can be quite sneaky, I think, in the ways that it shows up. I definitely relate that I have that complete freeze response sometimes too. Um, but when I was reading about it, it said people most people's first um, feelings of imposter syndrome come from uh, the sense when you're growing up that your parents are really different from you. So when when I read that, I had this really weird memory come to me of when I was really little watching my mum wash her own hair in the shower and being like wow like I could just never wash my own hair I mean I was really little like you know I was like maybe like three or four or something but it's this idea that when you're really young your parents are not like relatable other humans to you they're kind of these invincible or you know adults that fully know what they're doing and you're so removed from that and that I thought that was kind of interesting it's like people's first experience of it because now we're older we're like oh like kind of no one knows what they're doing you know Mm, it's so true I I mean I don't know whether this is on the same line but it's is it that 
you know, we were dependent on them, you know, like that we were, we were needing them. I mean, I think a memory that just came to mind when you were talking is when I was in high school, I did a lot of long distance running. And I remember this time where I got really sick before um, a regional track meet. And every time I went to this regional track meet, there was, I always came third. There was a girl, um, Danielle, who always came first and Alana who came second and Kayleen always came third. And we were the top three and we would, we would pretty much blitz the pack by, you know, most of the time, maybe Danielle and Alana would kind of cross, but it was kind of like embedded in us that that was, you know, that was the top ranks, right? I think it says it all that you remember their names. (laughs) (laughs) Just deeply ingrained. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but this one time I was quite sick and I nearly pulled out of the race. But if I didn't, my, my trainer said to me, you've really got to run this race because if you don't run it, then you won't be able to go to state. And I went to state every year, like, and you know, it was, it was just that I had a flu and he said, we could submit a time, but if the race is really fast, anyway, boring, (laughs) boring track talk. Um, What kind of sneakers were you wearing and who was your sponsor? (laughs) It wasn't sponsored, but I was definitely wearing waffles from Nike. They were green and gold. Anyway, um, so I'd always been, you know, I run third. This time I was really sick and I nearly wasn't going to race. And last minute I decided to race. And I think there was a bit of apathy in me of just being like, whatever, I'm really sick. I'm just going to, you know, go out and give this my best shot. And I think a, a little bit of like, you know, being a bit delirious and not really, you know, playing into the story that I always come third, I ended up running this race it was a 4k cross country and it was a two so two laps of a 2k cross country course and so I do the first lap and um that where the audience can kind of see you the spectators I pass them and I'm coming up on on the girl Alana who used to always come second and I'm about to pass her and I look at my coach and he's just like, oh, Kayleen's gone out too hard. Like he's kind of given me that look of like she's not going to be able to sustain the second lap. And then the second lap happens and there's this last like, you know, 500 metres where you everyone can see you finishing the race. And I'm just like pacing down this track and I end up overtaking Danielle and beating her and I won the race. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> That never happens. Because maybe you were too tired to have that story that you always had. Yeah, I was just like I'd forgotten the story. I just surrendered and was like, I'm just going to go out and race. Like I just need to get in the top eight because, you know, I just need to race even though I'm I'm sick. And um, it was really interesting because I was like, what? It was just like everyone was so blown away that I'd won it. Um, but I think, you know, I love a bit of neuroscience and like shrinking back to our conforms, um, perhaps maybe one theory is that I, I never, I never beat them again after that. And it was like, I was so uncomfortable being number one (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, beating them. It was, I don't know, just thought of that then, but I think that's what sometimes happens, right? Is that we go, oh no you know, I'll only ever earn this much or I would never get picked for that speaking gig or I would never be ranked that high or have that many followers or earn that much or whatever. And we kind of put our own caps on ourselves and I think that's the whole point of, you know, overcoming imposter syndrome is that we, it's a self-imposed limit 
And it's sometimes as simple as just removing that limit and that barrier and figuring out where the belief came from that, you know, you're always number three and not number one or wherever and removing that and actually believing, hang on, what, what if I, you know, anything was possible and I didn't, you know, keep myself small, what would I become? Mm. It's so tricky. It's like so easy to talk about it. And it's like one of those things where, and I'm sure you feel the same, you read so much about it and you can read every self-help book and all the neuroscience ever and it comes to actually applying it. It's like, it's so hard. And it, it just shows up in the weirdest ways. Like I, you know, as you know, like I had that um, situation come up this week or last week um with just like getting a sudden rent increase which came about the week after I've quit my stable income job um to go freelance which I think that's just so funny the timing of things like that like it felt like such a test and I would never have thought that was imposter syndrome until we spoke yesterday or whenever it was because my instant thought pattern was oh well now that I'm freelance I need to be paying less rent because I'm not gonna earn as much money and you know my brain just spiraled so hard I was like oh my gosh like I'm gonna have to use all my savings I'm gonna have to move back in with my dad and like nothing's even happened and you know there's no other there's no evidence that that's going to happen. It's just something will randomly come up like that and you feel like you can't do it, you know, like mm. it feel, and with the rent situation specifically, it's like, it definitely is that feeling of who do you think you are? Like, who do I think I am? Mm. Like paying all this rent and living in a two bedroom apartment by myself when most of my mm. friends are sharing. And I, you know, it comes down to what people value spending money on, but yeah for me that that was such a big one that I didn't realize it was imposter syndrome it just felt like it felt it kind of feels like you're being ridiculous you know like you kind of laugh at yourself because you're just like honestly who do I think I am absolutely and I think you're right and it's like it's where we grow and it's like any time that you try to expand or to grow or to go out of your comfort zone it's you're going to get tested because your brain is actually wired for comfort. Like that is how your the human brain is programmed. It's programmed to stay with what it knows and to run the same program over and over because it conserves energy and it doesn't have to do anything new. And it means that, you know, from our hunter and gatherer days, it means that it knew how to keep us safe so that we could evolve as a bit as a as a race and so here we are in this modern day world where we're pretty safe we're pretty well looked after there isn't that much risk but the brain is still saying no 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 just stay with what you know and a lot of people are running and operating off programs that were handed down to them and that the people before them or that taught them or, or, or um, educated them said this is the way that it's got to be and this is who you are and you know and it was all subconsciously programmed into us 
in a very young age and now as adults we live in this very, you know, fast-paced, evolving, conscious world where we actually get to go, hang on, why do I believe that? Why do I act like that? Is it real and can I expand and grow out of that? Mm. And knowing that when you try to do that, your brain is actually going to want to, you know, almost like a rubber band snap you back into place and the people around you will want to snap you back into place as well because if you expand and grow into a new reality, then that's going to trigger something in them about how much they're expanding and growing and most people don't like seeing other people (laughs) evolve because it challenges them to also say, well, what else am I striving for? Mm. So the thing about imposter syndrome is, you know, we think it's just us and a stupid little voice in our head, but there is a lot going on and a lot um, really that we're battling with and it is an ongoing process. And, you know, I think when you say it kind of comes up subtly, good to have these conversations because as soon as you become aware of it and you can start to say where does imposter syndrome show up in my life and you become aware of it and you become the observer of it then you can start to catch it and then you have to catch it and shut it down quick smart in the moment like it's Mm. just a day-to-day practice and I think you're right in saying Sometimes you shut down some of them and you're like, okay, cool, I'm not an imposter in in that situation anymore and I actually feel validated. (laughs) And then a new one might pop up or an old one might pop up and and then you're like, all right, cool, now we've got to combat this thing. Mm. Oh, my God, it's like honestly just exhausting being a human. What's that game where it's like he's like little... Oh, the like whack-a-mole? Yeah. Yeah. That's literally like what life feels like. Um, And did you know, I've got a few facts for you as well, which I thought was really interesting. Imposter syndrome was actually like coined in 1978. And when they originally identified it, they believed that it only affected women, which... I thought was so wild, but also makes complete sense. (laughs) Of course. I mean, that's a whole nother, you know, pressure that we're, you know, when we say, why, why do I have imposter syndrome? It's like, because we were probably told that story as well. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I know. Fully. And also I just feel like women are often more inclined to talk about these inner feelings with, people whereas I don't think that you know big CEOs back in the day and men in boardrooms would ever show an inch of self-doubt about their abilities and it's it also is linked to that kind of whole thing around often women when they are offered job opportunities they don't question or ask for a higher salary they're just they just don't do it whereas men who are less qualified feel entitled to it I mean that's a whole other conversation but I thought it was interesting that um I thought it was interesting that they thought imposter syndrome only affected women yeah I mean again it's another uh, evolution thing around that as well because statistically speaking yeah women won't put themselves forward for opportunities either if there was an opening in a workplace women would just be like oh if they want me to do it they'll ask me there's a couple of things that they've shown that why it's like that is um 
that men are actually, their brains are wired to have less empathy. So, and again, that goes back to like the hunter and gatherer days because they had to protect their tribe. So if they cared too much or they had too much of that estrogen, then they wouldn't be able to kill and fight and protect. So their bodies and their minds are actually wired to succeed and be the strongest. Like that's that's how mm. they have evolved because and that's how we've all evolved as a species. Um, and, yeah, so there is less self-doubt and there is less, you know, um, probably inner critic in them. Mm. In, you know, not, not I feel so life. lucky to know so many, like, very emotionally evolved men at the moment particularly I feel like I know a lot of guys that are very um tuned into their emotions and talking about their feelings which um it's nice you know I love that about men too and it's like I'm very much surrounded by those kind of guys but I also love having conversations with those kind of men like even if they are connected to their their feelings they still will they will still tell you what's up. They'll be like, nah, that's not I'm not I'm not taking that. Or mm. yeah, you should go after that. And I I really value that quality in a lot of men in my life who can just straight talk with me and don't tell a story around anything and just give it to you factually. Um yeah, I really enjoy that quality in the masculine energies in my life. Yeah, I feel like we need to harness a bit more of that sometimes. Mm. Um and then just to kind of round us out, so uh, there's actually an imposter syndrome expert because I feel like, you know, it's 2021, there's an expert for everything um, called Valerie Young. And she she wrote this book called The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, which I thought was quite a funny um, title. But uh, she came up with these different categories for different types of imposter syndromes, which I resonated with a few of them and others I didn't so much so I might read a few of them to you and you can let me know which one you think you are so there's perfectionists who set extremely high expectations for themselves and even if they meet 99% of their goals they're still going to feel like a failure and oh my god it's so me you know when I got my a-levels because in the UK we do a-levels um and that's like kind of your exams when you're um, finishing high school, I got in the car. I wouldn't open my results with everyone else, like with the envelopes. I like had to get in my mum's car and like, open it by myself. And I opened it and I was like immediately quite happy when I saw my results. And then I just burst into tears. And my mum was like, obviously just doesn't, hasn't read them, doesn't know <laughs> what this weird reaction is. And I'd got, I think I got three A, three A stars and an A. And because I didn't get four A stars, I was just like, God, I suck. <laughs> and I still, I still, yeah, I still feel like that. So um, that's good to know. That's me. Yeah. Um, experts. So experts feel like they need to know every piece of information before they start a project and constantly look for new certifications or trainings to improve their skills. They won't apply for a job if they don't meet all the criteria in the posting. And they might be hesitant to ask a question in class or speak up at a meeting at work because they're afraid of looking stupid if they don't already know the answer. Yeah, that's not me, but I see it a lot in Mm. coaching clients and I'm the first person to call it out and say, like, I'll be honest if I think someone's not ready and I'm not afraid to be real with them about, you know, what they need to get in, in line before they start their business. 
But a lot of people say, oh, when this happens Mm. or once I've done that, then I'll start. And it's just a self-sabotage imposter syndrome. Yeah, classic. Um, This one I thought was interesting and I think maybe could maybe could be you I don't know you have to, no you have to identify yourself I'm not going to diagnose you um so it's the natural genius so um when the natural genius has to struggle or work hard to accomplish something he or she thinks this means they aren't good enough they're used to their skills coming easily and when they have to put in effort their brain tells them that that's proof that they're an imposter mm. resonate not really. Like I think I feel like I know some of those people mm. where they really are the smartest people in the room most of the time and they get really triggered when they don't know something and quite mm. defensive. Is there more? All right, we'll continue. Yeah, there's two there's two more. So, you know, hopefully one of them will be maybe not. Maybe you're not an imposter and maybe you're just <laughs> pretending. <laughs> maybe the book's wrong. Yeah. Um, soloists. So they feel like they have to accomplish tasks on their own. And if they ask for help, this means they're a failure or a fraud. Oh my God, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. 100% me. Yeah. yeah. Although you're good because you got your people in to help you with your book. So that you've overcome a bit of that. Yeah, definitely. But I like uh, a perfect example is that probably this last couple of weeks I've been feeling quite exhausted and I can feel my body kind of shutting down. And I've had a few moments of like sitting on the in the shower being like, I need help. Like I really need help. And then I I trained, you know, I got my little sister on board to help me with some VA stuff. And Mm -hmm. we had a phone call and I was like, yep, help. And then today I caught myself doing what I was bringing her on board to do. And I just couldn't. I was like, stop. (laughs) Don't send that email. Just tell your sister to do it. You know, like just Mm. hand this task off. It doesn't need to be you. And I was like, well, I'm here now. I might as well do it by the time I tell her to do it. And I could feel like in my body there, I was just like, if you don't start handing some of these tasks off, like you are going to crash and burn. Mm. Um, and it is it's like I have to have it all together I need to and also I think in a in a sense that can also imposter syndrome kind of comes out with like feeling like I need to help everyone as Mm. well and you know sometimes people will you know send me big long messages on Instagram or an email that you know probably should have been part of a coaching session not just a free advice and I feel like I have to, you know, help them and support them and every, like be there, everything for everyone. Mm. Um, otherwise, I'm dropping the ball. Yeah. So you have no boundaries. We have to work on that. <laughs> yeah. I'm working on that. Um, and the last one, which I think kind of links to that one quite nicely, is supermen or superwomen who push themselves to work harder than those around them to prove that they're not imposters. They feel the need to succeed in all aspects of life at work, as parents, as partners, and may feel stressed when they're not accomplishing something. Oh yeah. That's me too. I think us living together, we both were like that. And it was, there was a lot of chaotic energy in the house. (laughs) The thing is though, when you describe it like that, I'm like, "Mm, that's not me. But then when I'm really real with myself, it's so unconscious that mm. I'm like, yeah, of course I can do that. Like I would never say, sorry, no, I can't do that today or I need to rest or, you know, I'd just be like, yep, cool, what do you need? I've got this and find a way and, yeah, 
it's not the best. I know. <laughs> it's it's sneaky. I'm telling you, it's sneaky. It um, takes a lot of hard work. So as you know, from here, we create a meditation script um, that kind of helps with this very specific problem. Um, so within this script, what are, what are the words that you need to hear in these moments? What do you say? I think you're quite a good person to chat to about this because I feel like you're very self-aware and I think you're you're obviously quite effective at pulling yourself out of it. But in the moments where you do need to maybe hear your words that you say to yourself back to you in the times where you maybe can't be bothered to say them to yourself, what should we include? Yeah, this is a great question. I feel like I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah, cry, let it out. Great for, um, great for authentic content. <laughs> relatable content. Yeah, just get relatable. Um, I think the thing that I really need to hear is that it's okay to not be doing it all and it's okay to drop the ball and it's okay to just let it go and to rest and to stop and it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a failure. It's not going to make you irrelevant or fall behind or you know people not like you or um you know respect you even just saying that out loud I'm like that's bullshit oh my god literally like that's how I feel as well I'm like "Mm, this is like really nice sentiments but like I actually really do have to be doing it all and it's not okay if I drop the ball (laughs) um but I think like I in my head like my head is saying like yeah nice sentiment I can feel in my body relaxing and I'm like, oh, I need to, I need to actually like do this tonight. Like I need to meditate and, and chill because I have been, you know, working all day since like you know eight o'clock this morning and I haven't stopped. And even when I did go and sit out in the sunshine, I was like, you got to get back to the desk. And, um, but I can feel the exhaustion in my body as well. So mm. the reality for me, I think, is like my dreams and my goals aren't going to be achievable if my body is not intact and my mm. body and my mind is not going to be able to keep up with this level and something's got to give and you've got to you've got to be able to let it go and to rest and to restore and to get clarity and, and come back with more energy rather than operating at 20% and thinking that you know, that you can keep going at 20%. So mm. and yeah. maybe specifically which could be a good one to think about and I actually don't want to make you cry but when when your book is finally out in the world because that's obviously going to be the real scary shit for you how are you going to what are you what do you what are you going to need to hear from people from a meditation from yourself that is going to combat those feelings of like oh anyone could have written a book or you know um whatever negative feelings or whatever your fears are about that book what are you what is going to be comforting to you Mm, good question I think the first thing that came to mind was like you did it like 
good job, Kay. Like, look at you. Like, you did it, you know. Like, somebody, it's it's like a version of myself that's going, hey, stop. Look at, like, look at this. And I think maybe a lot of the imposter syndrome is because I haven't seen it in my hands. It's a file right now, you know. And, yeah, somebody just making me to stop and to sit in the moment and to realise how, like, maybe to reflect on how far I've come and how much hard work I put in and the sacrifices I made and how difficult that time was in my both personal and professional life and that I came out the other side and now I've got this to show for it. And you can hold it in your hands and say, you know, good on you and really be present in the moment with it and hold it and and really feel into exactly what that accomplishment is rather than rushing off to the next thing yeah which we are both very guilty of doing Mm -hmm. um I think that's really nice I think um definitely that reflection on look how far you've come is vital I think for imposter syndrome it's you know there are so many things that you're doing now and I'm doing now that even five years ago, I wouldn't have believed, I wouldn't have believed someone if they were like, oh, this is what you're going to be doing. And it's, it's taking those little jumps up and kind of, um, looking, I think looking back at the evidence and questioning, like, why can't I do that? Or why, why would I be an imposter? You know, Mm -hmm. I think really questioning it and treating the evidence as fact Mm -hmm. of what you do know, it's helpful and very, you know, grounding in a way. If there's one last piece of advice that I could give and just what you're saying there, like, triggered it, is that I think that whether it's the movies or people's books or how other people have told stories or our perception of success and people that we admire from afar and you think that it's going to be a certain way and that it's going to feel a certain way. And when your dreams and your goals come to life, most of the time they're going to come in a way that you least expect it. And, you know, for me it was the book deal did arrive on my doorstep through a chance meeting and it, it, there was no way I could have predicted that that's how I would have got my publishing deal. And so it less about thinking, oh, no, I would have had to do this, this and this for it to have happened and less and more about just being like, okay, this is here and this is happening and I thought it would feel like this but this is how it feels and I'm just going to sit and be present with it and and not downplay it or dismiss it um, as something that because you thought it would be a certain way. So. Mm. yeah it's all about being in that present moment with it I think yeah for sure I think um what's been uh a bit of a trend recently to watch and I put this in my notes um ahead of our chat as well was you know that idea of successful people being on this kind of other level and we don't really think of them as having the same anxieties or the same imposter syndrome as us and there's been this trend recently of a lot of um musicians especially are putting out these kind of youtube mini docu-series really showing 
their process and being very vulnerable in sharing like when they don't think they're making good work and sharing the frustrations and I I think it's great that people are doing that like I just watched the Demi Lovato one and I've just never been a fan or even interested in her before and now I'm just like obsessed because it's so much more relatable you know when people are vocalizing just as you are in this podcast like you never you never know like someone might read your book and be like have that feeling of oh wow like I could never write a book and listen to you on this and it kind of humanizes you in a way you know I think it's really important that's where we're going to you know we've always seen the end product and I think social media was probably the first kind of into that of being like actually let's see behind the scenes you Mm. know we want to see what's happening behind the doors so um you know a lot of people try to keep it perfect but I think a lot of people are calling bullshit on too much of a perfect life now it's not relatable so that's why this podcast is going to do so well (laughs) and this whole relate and meditate is because people are like can you actually just tell us what it's really like because you know we're all in this together and I think at the end of the day it's the best gift that you can give to each other is to be like you know what Sundays it's really bloody hard but I still get up and I do it and I do have these successes but if I'm struggling and you're struggling then we can all do this you know it's possible totally oh my god what an inspirational quote to end on oh <laughs> just beautiful um thanks girl appreciate you thank you for Pleasure. being on we've been thank trying to tee this up for a while congratulations well done <laughs> thank you love you proud of you love you now that you've related to the issue at hand it's time for a very short and manageable meditation led by our resident hypnotherapist rachel creather it's really more of a pep talk to help you shape your thoughts please don't listen to these meditations whilst driving or doing anything else where you need to concentrate the episode will end at the end of the meditation to give you some time to reflect it would be so appreciated if you could please 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 subscribe and share this podcast to help it reach more people and leave a review with any niche meditations you would like to hear in the next episodes enjoy Hey, imposter, we're looking at you. Just kidding. We're here to help guide you through your imposter-related insecurities and give you the belief in yourself to level up. Whilst most of our meditations are done in movement, you're going to need to sit down and close your eyes for this one. Firstly, we'd recommend listening to this conversation with Kay and identifying which type of imposter syndrome you have. This will be important in helping you understand what type of imposter syndrome you've got going on. Understanding how your mind works is really step one. If you're feeling like a fraud, like a fake, that you shouldn't be getting the opportunities you're getting, ask yourself, why not you? Who says you can't do it? You can do anything you want to. You can educate yourself to be an expert in anything you want to be an expert in. No one was born an expert. Every expert was a disaster at first. Every expert has a story behind them and struggles you've never seen. When we're only seeing the shiny, finished versions of things, it's hard to believe in the messy processes that lead them there. 
We never see how that person just stopped working in the middle of the day, crawled into bed and binge-watched shows to procrastinate, or scrolled Instagram for hours to avoid putting in the work. We think we're the only ones that are making things up, being imperfect, never feeling good enough. Breathe in, breathe out. Now, we want you to wholeheartedly congratulate yourself on your achievements. Stop, take stock. What have you achieved? Look how far you've come. Could little you have ever imagined you would be where you are right now? Get some perspective and give yourself a hug. You have come so far and you have done so much. You deserve everything you've had and you've earned it on this journey you've been on. The opportunities that are showing up for you are yours. They are meant for you. They're designed for you. Even if it's hard to believe, they are your moments, your chances to level up and move into the next chapter of your life. If it wasn't meant for you, it wouldn't have found you. Breathe in, breathe out. Feeling like an imposter can be exhausting. Keeping up with everything you feel you need to keep up with so you don't get found out, it's exhausting. We are giving you permission to rest. It doesn't make you a bad person or a failure or lazy. You're not falling behind. If you want to go faster, go slow. Repeat that again. If you want to go faster, go slow. You're going to need all the energy you can get, you overachiever. Now remember, people pay money to know what you know. Your experience is valuable. Your perspective is unique to you, which is why people want to learn from you. They want to buy from you. They want to support you. If you're being authentic to yourself, working on things you believe in, you are not an imposter. You are wholeheartedly you. Now go and conquer the world. We believe in you.